This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined, as always, on the other side of the line by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, we went off the rails a little bit yesterday, so I think that we'll probably touch on some topics that we planned to get to on yesterday's episode. So uh, just how are you doing today, and are you looking forward to, I think, now episode 14? Busy day so far. Um Start of the day with Bruiser Flint, UK's new assistant coach, having his first uh, media availability with us via Zoom, and of course John Calipari on as well. But some other planning in the works though for a future episode between us. So pretty much been on the grind since uh, since I got up this morning. Yeah, now that Bruiser is official and we got to talk to him for the first time, I, I think the the takeaway for me is Bruiser's a likable guy. I think you see why his personality is is what we've heard about him from everywhere he's been. Everybody said, you know, Bruiser is a well-respected human being in person. And and you could sort of see that he has that friendly side of him today. He was, you know, making some jokes about how John Calipari is not as crazy today as he was back in his UMass days. I mean, obviously, he tried to fight uh, Cheney at Temple in the 90s. So I would I don't think you fight him. <laughs> that's true. I'll actually, and then that's true. You, you did uh, correct me on that. But And Cal didn't stand there at the podium, though. He went after him. So uh, I, could you see that today? Is there an SEC coach that you could see Cal just – I can't even think of a scenario where it would just be so weird to see two coaches just in the press room. Can you imagine yeah. sitting at Rupp Arena and somebody just coming out from behind that curtain and here's Cal and them just going at it? <laughs> it makes for good I, I TV. Cal, he's too old, I think, now. To, he's, <laughs> he's not going to do that, I don't think. I was trying to think, though, like he might – the whole Bruce Pearl thing's always been weird with him, but it seems yeah. like that's like kind of leveled out over. That was probably like, I mean, early days Tennessee, Kentucky. I'm sure it was pretty good, but probably even more so between those two, it was Memphis and Tennessee. Yeah, and Cal, Cal would be so he'd be so fast getting down the steps and through that door to that locker room now, wouldn't he? That'd be where he'd go. He'd let yeah. Eric deal with it. But no, it uh, is interesting though that. Uh, Bruiser was getting peppered with questions about uh, Kentucky-Indiana series as if he has any kind of control over uh, that taking place. And I, I kind of respected Bruiser that didn't really pull any punches today in talking about mm. if, it was a hard, if it was a hard decision to leave Indiana for UK. And he more or less said, the only reason I was even at Indiana, which he, he complimented several times as being a good basketball school, but Calipari being friends with Archie Miller more or less set that up yeah. for Bruiser to be there. So when the opportunity came – for Bruiser to join Cal staff, there was not a whole lot of thought that went into that, I don't think. No, and that was – I think so, too, with the Indiana-Kentucky series. We knew that that was going to be a question. Uh, didn't really expect it to be 
as big of a topic as early as it was, but I did, I think he handled it really well. And he did mention that he would like to see that, but he also said that that's obviously above his, you know, pay grade and some of his decisions and things like that. Um, It'll be interesting though. It'd be fun to see Indiana, Kentucky renew that thing on neutral floor if if it's not home and home. But Derek, I don't, I don't know how close we are to that happening. So, I mean, we're not going to spend a ton of time, talking about it I, obviously the connection with bruiser to indiana is what brought it up today um, right. i did think it was interesting too though that he pretty much was there was no hesitation to come to lexington like he he just said no not really like the relationship he kept using the word the friendship and that he wants to maintain that same friendship and that was the only concern i think he had about coming to kentucky was can they still be that that type of those type of friends and work together because yeah. it has been it has been since the mid-90s, Derek. That A lot's changed in college basketball and in life since those days. People change, you know. I mean, yes, Bruiser, I guess they first got together. It was almost, I think, exactly 30 years ago. I mean, those are two young guys back then, Cal and Bruiser. I mean, the ways they've changed, I mean, the experiences they've had. Bruiser now is – you talk about that point in his life when he first got with Cal, I think he'd only been an assistant full-time for one year even before that, and now he's coming back to Cal's staff as a as a veteran, 20 years as a head coach, a few years as an assistant. I appreciated Bruiser's honesty saying that, you know, he never thought he'd be working not just under Cal period again, but just as an assistant coach in general again. Because, I mean, you get to the point where you're a head coach in college basketball and coach as long as he did at some of those schools, you probably always think you're going to have a head coaching job somewhere. And he said he interviewed for some jobs, didn't get it. And here he is now. I mean, I think that's Cal's um, – it's fortunate, I think, for Cal that in a year that Kenny does decide to go, he had someone he could rely on like Bruiser. And he, he's not going to have too too much of a learning curve <laughs> with Bruiser. They know each other well. And it sounds like – I don't know how many people are going to read things from today or hear quotes, but these are two guys who still talk just about every single day, according to Bruiser. So still tons of familiarity there. And like you mentioned earlier, I thought it was an important note that he just wanted to make sure that friendship was not going to be hindered in any way by coming back and working for him. Cause you can tell that he valued that friendship more than a job basically. Yeah. And that's very important. And it, you know, it's good to see that we talked about this a few weeks ago that Cal's going to bring in people that he trusts. It's always going to be people that he's familiar with or has somebody that puts in good word. Well, this was a no brainer for Cal with that position opening up. Of course, Bruiser Flint was going to be the guy and, you know, now that he's there, Derek, you know, he talked a little bit about today that it was a re-energized feeling, you know, with John mm-hmm. Calipari. But he also said that Cal's always re-energized because he has a new roster every single year. Uh, but, Derek, this year it's a lot different just because we're still waiting on waiver for Olivier Saar. Keon Brooks didn't have a ton of, you know, production last season. And then it's just there's so many pieces there in such a weird year with COVID-19 that, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Cal comes out and makes the – he didn't say 24 or 2014, 2015 when he made the comparison that two guys are blocking shots. And it, he just said, what, four or five years? It takes him back four or five years or something like that. But I think when you look at rosters, he definitely wasn't talking about the Jamal Murray and Tyler Ewis team because they didn't have anybody really blocking shots. So it, it had to be the 38-1 and one team, right, that he was re- referring to, that the practices reminded him of that atmosphere a little bit. If he is, there's some serious hyperbole in there, in my opinion. I mean, 
Olivier Saar had 35 blocks last year at Wake Forest, a respectable number, not awful. I think Isaiah Jackson could be a really good shot blocker. It sounds like, as a matter of fact, that might be his most valuable asset this first year is his defense. So that could be interesting, but I don't know if you're going to find anyone who describes, certainly not Keon Brooks. I mean, he's a kid who can play the three. I think he had 13 blocks all last season, which is, you know, it is what it is. It's fine because no one considers him to be a shot blocker anyway. So anything he gives you is fine. But Lance Ware is not a guy who is described as a huge shot blocker. I couldn't tell you what team he was talking about. I really don't know. I mean, there's no Willie Colley Stein on this team. There's no. no Carl Anthony Towns on this team. There's no uh, – Dakari Johnson wasn't a huge shot blocker, but even someone in his body frame, there's no one like that on this team. I, I really didn't know what he was uh, <laughs> saying, honestly, because even the team after Murray, I mean, it was Bam out of bio. Like, he, there was no huge shot blockers on that team. So, <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was kind of a strange comment, to be honest with you, because I couldn't really figure out who he was talking about. And if he was talking about that 2014-15 team, I mean – Guess it's one way to get excited, but man, I don't know if that's the comparison I would have gone with. No, and you texted me one point during the interview and you said, "Man, this this topic, this question and response oh, is everywhere." From, <laughs> yeah. That's how Cal is, and I think you in person, it's it's he he goes off, but man, you get in front of that screen where there's really no one, and he's just talking <laughs> to the screen, and I think he had a question that was like, "Talk for three minutes and discussed." Uh, He's talking about the NBA bubble at one point and uh, talking about recruiting. I don't know. It was everywhere. If they – something uh, – yeah, and then talking about the way the guys were playing in the bubble and all this other stuff. Uh, he's he's plugged this team, though, all summer. In every interview he's been on, he's – I want to play. We get, we got to play. We're I've got a good team. I've got a great team. I've got a – I guess that's just his way of doing things. But we've seen him in the past, Derek, sort of shy away from that a couple of times where he's like, it's going to be a while. It's going to take some time. In my mind, I think of the Shea Gilgis-Alexander team where he literally shot away from saying they were going to be good or they were going to get it together at any point. I guess it's kind of different to sort of see him during these times do this because it yeah. it just doesn't make sense, honestly, because he's he has less returning. Well, you're going to have some people call me crazy probably when I hear this, but, dude, he might have been talking about Shea's team because if you think about when healthy, if you had Richards, Vanderbilt, Washington, Gabriel, like that's a pretty long team that, like, could have blocked some shots if all those guys were healthy. I don't think he was specifically talking about that team because it hasn't been four or five years, but, like, that's a team, and I'm not going to go too far off on this, but, like, if you add Mo Bamba to that roster, it would have been – it could have been one of his best defensive teams he's ever had at Kentucky, and they would have all been young, but, my God, all the length on that team, but – no, now that you're talking about that, I mean, I think when he's really hot for a team and he couldn't do it this year because of COVID, but, like, he'll take him around the state. He'll trot him out there like he did with Reed Travis and all those guys. That's when you know I think he's feeling pretty good about his teams. But I have no doubt that if this group plays, like, they got a chance to be very good. I don't want people to think that I'm down or whatever because I'm not really buying his comparison to whatever team he was talking about. I just – that's how coaches are. I mean, I get it. This should be, I mean, a pretty interesting team. But you got to get SAR eligible. And we got to just see how these freshmen adapt. I mean, it's going to be a strange season. It's not like Cal is in – I don't want to compare it to having a whole new job because obviously it's not that. The man's held this position for 10 years. But when you add in that it's a whole new team and you're going to have two or three, you know, you got two new faces most likely in Bruiser and um, Jay Lucas and you lost Kenny and Dwayne Peavy, two guys who – pretty much your whole tenure here they've been there with you like I think it's going to have a feel of a very new thing for Cal and 
it'll be an interesting thing. I can see the re-energized thing. I do buy that. I think uh, anytime there's change, it can be good or it can be bad. And I think Cal's definitely going to make the most of this. And I've, I've praised him on his creativity. And uh, I'm curious to see whenever they do get the chance to get on the floor, if they do, I'm sure they will, how this thing looks and see kind of how he reacts. And just kind of the whole new shakeup of a kind of a new UK basketball feel for this year. Yeah. And staying on topic with Cal, you know, he mentioned the one thing that will stay the same is he's the head coach at Kentucky mm-hmm. and that Kentucky's Kentucky. So speaking of Kentucky and some recruiting, uh, yesterday, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, five-star forward for 2022, Derek, he, Kentucky moved on from him. You know, Jack Pilgrim was the first one to put that out. We had Jack on the show yesterday. And it sounds like that, you know, Huntley Hatfield actually tweeted last night sort of about that. I think that that's what he, his tweet was about. I don't have his tweet pulled up. But here's a five-star forward for 22, Derek, that Kentucky for the longest time was considered to be a lock. And I, and I know from talking to some people, there were some things with some people involved in that recruitment that weren't making Kentucky happy. I don't know if there was some negative push towards Kentucky, and Kentucky was like, okay – this has to change. You've got to back off or we're going to back off. Derek, it, it's one of those times where in nowadays, and Corey mentioned this the other day on the episode with us, when, when a school is considered to be the favorite for so long, the longer it goes on, it seems like the less likely that player ends up at that school. Yeah, he made that comparison to Hardy, right? So he did. Take of that what you want, but I don't claim to know much about that. You certainly know much more than I do about the – Hatfield recruitment. I mean, he was somebody, though, that I think even as recent as last week or whenever it was that Ben Caro committed to Duke, I mean, some people still thought he would reclass <laughs> and they'd say, well, it's not that huge of a deal because Ben Caro's going to come in there. You weren't the only one. I mean, there's other people, too, recover recruiting who thought that. And then it comes out last night that he's going to release the top six and then word starts to trick out that he's not even going to have UK on the list. So, Sounds like UK was the one who cut ties there, going by the reporting. But if some of the scouting reports that I heard were true, then I can see why UK would have questions. Because it just any kid is who is his size, he's six foot ten, who views himself as a perimeter guy, they've just not really done well here at UK in their time. I mean, and if that's the case, I think Cal or whoever it was on UK staff is making a good call. And I feel bad for the kid. I mean, I, I, I know the tweet you were talking about, and it more or less was talking about the hurt that comes in whenever, you know, you school moves on from me. It's like you never even existed. Like, I could see that being a thing. So, I, I don't know enough details there to even really discuss that. But yeah, where does UK go now? <laughs> you know, in 22, it's like some of these top guys, you know, stuff Scott Clark in that class who's a lock. But more or less, you have guys who – Ben Carroll, he thought was a top guy. Hardy now, does he thought maybe at one point he was a lock. He's not considered that anymore. It's like the G League might be his biggest competitor. And then Brendan Huntley Hatfield was another guy that for a long time people thought would be uh, at UK. And now we don't know that any of those three are going to be there. I was one of those people for months that was telling you that I actually thought he would be Kentucky's first 21 commitment because I thought that he would commit in class. And that was the buzz for the longest time, but it, it's not now. So we can you know, scratch his name off the board. I, and, and I think there's now a, there's a pick for Ole Miss. I know yeah. some people thought Tennessee, but there's a crystal ball for Ole Miss. So it would be interesting. I guess the Tennessee thing is coming from Bobby Mays. Yeah, it is. The Bobby Mays, that was the name in that recruitment that I'm pretty sure 
was trying to recruit negatively towards UK. And then I think UK was like, cut it out. Mm-hmm. And then Bobby said he would. And then I don't know what's happened in recent weeks or recent months, but it, I mean, if someone hasn't reached out to someone in a month, yeah, you're, they're no longer pursuing you. And, you know, Kentucky's going to, like you said, the episode earlier this week, Cal at one point said he was tired of being a hat on the table with the recruitments and things like that. And I know I just think Kentucky's going to take care of themselves and everything. And Derek, I'm, I'm assuming that they have one or two names in that class that they're probably already looking at, at that position, or they wouldn't have done this. And you mentioned Sky Clark, basically a lock. The 21 class right now with Nolan Hickman, it, it didn't necessarily get a significantly late start, but it felt like it just because there was nothing there and we're in August. I think the sooner the better if Scott Clark like announces a decision to Kentucky within the next month or so, that could be huge for 22 because then you have a name on board that can sort of recruit some other guys with it like a year or so until signing day. Yeah, I agree with that. And on this 21 class, in my opinion, and I'd like to hear your comments on this, it kind of seemed to me like they had to pick up the pace, at least publicly, whenever you saw Chandler and Ben Caro go elsewhere. And at that point, it was like, we've got to do something now. Hickman was the guy. Hopkins is going to be the guy. Uh, that should be what Corey thought that would be in two or three weeks, right? So, I mean, that yeah. should be wrapping up. And then Hardy's going to remain, and it's not going to be a decision until spring probably, but Hardy is going to remain kind of the top dog in this class as to who they're going to get. That's that, Sean. I mean, maybe you can fill us in on more 2021 guys, but it's almost like if you don't have a team full of guys who you know are going to go after the NBA, I mean, maybe this is just the deal where they're going to have to wait a little bit to see who else to add. Well, and two, this this could be a class where if they don't get hardy, you could see a Kentucky class without a top 10 guy in it. I mean, you you really could. Uh, but Salas, I think that, you know, yeah. Corey said that ultimately he thinks Kentucky probably gets Salas. And I think that Salas would be a good guy in this class if you get Devin Askew back and you can mm-hmm. put him with Hickman in that backcourt. Obviously, Hardy's the guy that they want. Uh, you know, Patrick Baldwin Jr. is still there, too. I know Kentucky's in that recruitment. But, I mean, Duke, it looks like Duke. But then again, we talked about this off the podcast the other day that Duke has a lot of guys at that position. So, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, Derek, if – if the Hardy recruitment doesn't work out for Kentucky, Kentucky could go without a top 10, you know, commitment and signing in this class. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you get guys back, if you hit the transfer market in the spring, uh, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman. A better way to, you could argue it's a better way to build a program. You can. And then, you know, they're going to keep targeting top five, top 10 guys. I mean, obviously, we're going to see that in 22. Who, who knows where Sky Clark ends up? I, I do think there's a chance that he climbs into the top 10 top five I, who knows I mean we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out but I'm, I'm with you I think that if you can get two three five stars and you mix in three four stars but you have to get them to stay you can't mm-hmm. let guys after a freshman season you can't have a Johnny Juzang the quad a green situations where guys depart you need the Nick Richards top players you need somebody to stay two or three years even if it's just one from each class to stay three years it'd be huge yeah, no question. I think Allen, Dante Allen can be that guy. Um, I thought maybe Hickman, but, man, he got some people, some analysts who think he could end up being the best point guard in this class before <laughs> it's over. So, obviously, I mean, I, I compare college basketball, like Cal builds it, to how I compare trades and professional sports. If you want a title, whatever you had to do to get that, it was worth it. And if you have to have a team that eight guys leave after one year, but you won the title – 
it was a, it was a success. Where they've, I think, struggled in recent years is Cal can say what he wants about how he thought last year's team could be one of the fan favorites. Going off Ken Palm, and some people don't like going off analytics. I get it, but, like, that was not one of his better teams by far, and you still lost pretty much every single player from the team. Like, those are the years you have to avoid. And who knows? Maybe they could have gone on that run. They didn't get the chance last year to, to do what I just said about winning titles and things like that. You're asking me? I don't think there's any way that team would have won a national championship last year. I think they could have made a run. I think they were okay. But blew a huge lead at the end of the year against Tennessee, and it took a – and I'm going to give them credit. It took a great comeback at Florida, but that didn't look too good for a while either. Like that, I don't think that team was necessarily sliding, but it also had some things that never really got answered. You had the Ashton Hagen situation that never really was resolved because no. the year was over. Didn't and have to. I don't yeah. know. Didn't have to. I mean, it was it was what it was, but like there uh, were some issues on last year's team, and – We'll see. If he can build that, like, I think that's Slate is going to go. And the way he can add these transfers, once that rule passes, I think he could be set up for some really, really strong rosters year in and year out. He can. And I think that that's the thing that they're going to piece these rosters together with now. If, if you don't get your, your one and two five stars at the top of the class, go get a three- or four-year veteran that's been in a conference like the ACC or the Big 12. I mean, we know there's always going to be – there's probably going to be 40 or 50 names out there in the transfer market from – solid programs in college basketball and if you can get one possibly two it changes the game for you but I do think that the one important thing with this group that's on campus now is this was a class that they needed guys like B.J. Boston Terrence Clark that were sort of headliners for that class because with what all they lost they needed those top five-star guys uh, but we just wanted to get some information out there for you today from Calipari's presser and Bruiser Flint's presser uh, we do have a special episode coming up for Thursday with Kentucky quarterback Terry Wilson. We can finally say that name since I teased it last night on Twitter. So this was just a short episode, just breaking down some things that happened with the press uh, press release or press press conference with Cal and Bruiser, and then just touching on some of the UK basketball recruiting news over recent days. Uh, but Derek, we'll uh, we'll be back pretty shortly for a for a really solid episode with Terry that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we've gone basketball heavy the last few days. It's about to turn again, about to be back on football. So, like we told you guys before, we're going to – whatever the news is, that's what we're going to discuss that day. We're not going to lean favorably one way or the other. Um, I think in talking to Sean, I feel like Sean's probably a little bit more up on the basketball stuff than I am. And not to say he doesn't like football, but I'm, in my heart, I kind of feel like a football rider. So, that's kind of what I like focusing on. But, we're I mean, we both cover both things. We're going to give it to you, you know, every day and – I think this was a good podcast uh, today to discuss some quick things that happened and the things that were in the news today related to UK basketball. Yeah, and if you would like to suggest some things, if you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, shoot us a reply to the podcast. When I tweet out the link, Derek tweets out the link, say, hey, on the next episode, do you mind answering this question? We might even start doing – Derek, we might start doing a mailbag if we want to. And just have some questions that uh, that listeners will send in to us, and we'll answer them on the next episode, or we'll pick an episode. We might even just do a mailbag episode where we answer a bunch of questions. Uh, we are Derek's coming up with some ideas too, some things that we're going to make this show, you know, authentic and what it is and what makes it different from everything else. We're trying to put our heads together, but if you have any suggestions, go for it, and we'll listen to them. And we'll do our best to get to everybody's questions and stuff in the mailbag. So be looking for that probably next week, Derek. We might start a mailbag. Yeah, but, I uh, love that. Yeah, Tweet I us your so. questions, uh, email, anything to reach us. Yeah. But uh, this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll be back soon with Terry Wilson.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.